What's happening, everyone? Welcome back into the Fantasy Stock Exchange. We're joined by a special guest today. We got Dr. Edwin Forrest of Fantasy Points. Uh, we're going to be talking about some injuries today. So uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking quarterbacks and running backs. Next Thursday, you'll see uh, the wide receivers and tight ends episode of that. But uh, we're talking about the guys that you're scared to draft. Uh, and Edwin here is an actual professional uh, doctor. We'll get him to uh, give his credentials after this. But uh, yeah, uh, how are you guys doing today? Not too bad. Uh, again, we'll have them linked in the description and everything. Super pumped to have them on. I'm sure you guys will appreciate us getting you such an informative type episode out there on the channel. You come out here with the big facts, but Edwin, take it away. How you doing? I'm doing good, guys. I just got back from, I'm living that California life, just recently moved in, moved here. And so we just got back from uh, the beach today. And so I'm rolling right off the, right off the road from coming from the beach. So I say I'm, pre- I'm living a pretty damn good life. I definitely wish uh, I could go to the beach right now, but uh, here in Canada, they're a little more strict with everything, but uh, yeah, we're rolling. <laughs> social distance, social distance and mass, right? Social yeah, distance. For sure. Hit that intro. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. All right, so let's get right into this. So the first, um, the first guy that we got up on the docket here is pretty, uh, pretty high profile considering it just happened, and that's uh, Cam Newton. So uh, I guess the last two years he's been dealing with a Liz Frank surgery as well as um, some kind of shoulder strain or so, uh, shoulder issue that he had. Um, how concerned are you kind of just on a scale of 1 to 10 kind of thing uh, for Cam Newton going forward? So concern on a scale from 1 to 10 – for week one, I'd have to say like a five, just because we don't know for a fact that he's 100% healthy yet. That generally speaking, the, the Liz Frank surgeries, those take one, uh, it, or not, sorry, not one. They take uh, six to 10 months, uh, generally speaking, clinically. The data actually shows they can take anywhere from eight to 12 months to get to be completely healed and players to come back and play. So when it comes to, am I 100% confident that he'll be ready for week one? I'm not quite. But I definitely think that by week three or four, he's going to be ready to go. It's going to be one of those things that's going to be touch and go. We don't know a lot about what's going on with his rehab. We don't know a lot. We're especially not going to know anything now, considering the, the, that he's a Patriot. You know, the New England Patriots are the worst team trying to figure or decipher anything out. But just the fact that there are some rumblings about, oh, yeah, Jarrett Stidham could be the starter in week, week one. I don't think that has anything to do with talent, man. I mean, are you really going to start a, a rookie quarterback that's thrown like three passes in the NFL over a former MVP if, the, if that former MVP is healthy? Probably yeah, not, probably even not. if you're Bill Pellet. Yeah. Yeah, the even veterans aren't going to let that fly in yeah. training camp, especially right, exactly. if Newton's exactly. looking like he's fully healthy and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. exactly. If he's fully healthy, I don't, I don't necessarily see it being a problem. But you, just because there's been so much sort of vagueness around the injury, the, the foot injury – um, I'm not, I, I'm not 100% certain, but if he's following the law of the, of law, the law of averages, then I think he should be fine. Okay. All right. Perfect. So, yeah. Sorry. Uh, just, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is, is the foot concern you more, or is it the shoulder that concerns you? Cause I know with the Liz Frank, you get like a screw put into your foot is my understanding. That's the and Brown, people, right? uh, pardon? That's what happened to Marquise Brown, right? Yeah. Marquise Brown, like Marquise Brown had it last year. I, I'm just, I, I'm more concerned uh, personally. I'm not a, like, I'm not a doctor or anything. I have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about, but the uh, the shoulder was part the part that concerned me because I, I saw it in, in week two against when he played uh, the Buccaneers he looked like he couldn't throw or hit the broad side of a barn when he was throwing so 
Yeah, so the shoulder is actually completely healthy. The last time that he underwent an arthroscopic surgery, um, they actually looked at, they looked at the other, they looked at the throwing shoulder. I think he had like a left shoulder issue. They looked at the throwing shoulder and that looked completely fine. He wasn't having any symptoms. So the shoulder isn't an issue. Um, and that leads to like the bigger, uh, I guess, conversation about our running quarterbacks and is Cam Newton specifically more likely to get injured, which the answer is no, because his initial injury was actually like diving for a tackle. So a lot of people like to frame his, you know, style of play in terms of is he more injury prone or not when it comes to Cam Newton, but he should be good to go from the shoulder. He has never been an accurate passer, right? No. I feel like he just got this, got the shoulder injury and people wanted to pin something on him being a bad passer. He's just not a great passer. And that's like, we can come to terms with that and still view him as, you know, a top in NFL terms, of course, like a top 10 to 15 quarterback, like he's definitely up there. Um, but the shoulder should be good. I'm not concerned about the shoulder whatsoever. For sure. I mean, talking about Newton, I mean, people were making the big concern. Oh, he's not throwing the ball down the field, like right after the shoulder happened. Now, now we're looking at it a full range ahead. I mean, uh, just projecting forward for the Patriots this year, again, as people will uh, sort of be hesitant. Oh, they're worried about the injuries. They're worrying about him taking the year basically off after uh, basically getting put on the IR last year. Now, if you're projecting it forward, do you think he has the potential to reach like that top 12 uh, upside if he's able to stay healthy for the year again? Yeah, I definitely think he can be top 12. I think top 12 is, um, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibilities, right? So the foot has to stay healthy. And generally speaking, those injuries do heal well. And those injuries do after the, especially after the first year, they get better and they don't tend to recur a ton. And so if he can get that foot healthy and, and if he can get, you know, uh, just his mind right in general, and if he can start to mold and shape himself um, into that offense, then I think there's no reason why he can't be a top 12 running back. Definitely not. All right. Uh, should we dig into the next guy? I think that's Cam Newton's been talked about a lot. I, I, I'm curious about this one. This one is a guy that's been a, a staple of fantasy football yeah. for a long time, mainly because of the, the receivers he supported, and that's Big Ben. So I know he had, I believe it was Tommy John surgery or whatever on his elbow, which from my understanding is the not baseball very injury. In football, <laughs> the baseball injury for sure. Yeah, 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 it is. So, okay, sorry, I thought you were going to keep going. Oh, no, so, no, go for it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so he had, okay, what he did is he ruptured the inside. It's called the ulnar collateral ligament on his, in his throwing elbow. And yeah, that's a very, very common baseball injury. But what, what happens is basically he's 30, he was 38 years old, right? And he's thrown like 600 passes a year for the last for the last like 10 years. And so his, his, the, the elbow just eventually gave way. And he actually, it's not 100% certain that he had the Tommy John. Um, if you go to fantasypoints.com, I did an entire breakdown on it, but there's a very, very good chance that he had a, that he had a primary repair, which means they didn't actually replace the ligament. What they did is they, they could have stitched the ligament and that's a little riskier because the data on that isn't as fantastic. Like there's just not, not that it's a bad surgery in general, but there's not as much data as there is behind the Tommy John. And the reason that they might have done that is because it's a, it's a much quicker turnaround. And we know that he's, he was throwing passes in March. He was on his, uh, he was throwing like 20, I think he said like 20 passes, 40 yards, uh, like three times a day or something in March. And so he's slowly coming back to throwing. Now what you have to worry about with him just in general, is that he's 38 years old. Like I said, it's the same reason that you are sort of cautious with Tom Brady, the same reason you're cautious with Drew Brees. Like all these geriatric quarterbacks that are sort of aging out, those are the dudes that you have to start worrying about overuse injuries, ligament ruptures, and their bodies 
I hate using the phrase breaking down because they're still like young humans. But when it comes to the athleticism and being a top elite athlete, like they're, they're old, they're just old. And their bodies at this point have put up with a lot of shit from them. And so can I cuss? Sorry, I cuss. Yeah, yeah, Anytime. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so their bodies have put up with a lot of shit at this point. And the, and the, and the, the likelihood of like an over, overuse injury in any one of the, any one of their ligaments is, is much higher than it is in the, in a younger person. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Again, like pe- people love throwing the, uh, oh, like the older you are, the more injury prone you are. And especially like that applies mostly to the quarterback position. We'll go over a couple older receivers uh, later in the episode. But yeah, when, again, when it comes to quarterbacks, obviously, as you mentioned, like your body's breaking down, you're taking poundings every year, as you mentioned, 600 plus attempts, he's throwing at such a high volume to the point where, yes, you mentioned the the elbow breaking down, the the, the absolute uh, pressure he's facing from opposing defense. Like it's just, it's a lot, but overall, do you like, where do you see his overall value kind of residing for this season, giving the factors of the elbow, the breaking down uh, aspect to his game? Like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like he's so like in Scott fishbowl, it's a two quarterback, two quarterback, super flex. I would have felt okay. Taking him as my second quarterback, for example, I would have felt a lot more comfortable like if he was my third quarterback just because his ceiling is so high because he does throw the ball so so much and they're in the divi- they're in a division with Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, yeah. they're going to have to put up points at some point and you'd think that Big Ben's going to have to toss the ball around quite a bit and we know that he is just a high volume dude. So Am I concerned? No, I think I don't think people are necessarily overdrafting him. And I think if you take him as like a QB two um, or a QB three and and two and two quarterback leagues, then that's totally fine. If you're taking him as like a QB as your QB one, I feel like you're taking a little bit of a risk there. Yeah, I mean, uh, we I've been on the channel saying that like, I've really been a fan of Roethlisberger, but again, as you mentioned, like he's a guy where like if you have him as your one, it just it gives you kind of hesitance simply because as you mentioned, I mean, the age, the elbow, like everything, like kind of applies here. People are just uh, bored of him, I think. I swear to God, that, like that applies too. No one wants to acknowledge the fact that when every time Ben's played, he's going to throw the ball six hundred plus times a season. So like it's it really isn't it, it as long as his health is is okay and the the fact that his age is is advanced and like this surgery maybe affects him a little bit like as long as that's all clear I think he's gonna be a top 12 fantasy quarterback because he's always been a top 12 fantasy quarterback for sure uh touching upon the next guy we kind of went over Roethlisberger again uh the risk return on him getting him as your quarterback two versus uh, two or three in a super flex would be uh the, the more optimal play but touching upon this guy this is a guy who when we last saw him on the field for the first eight games of last year, he was a legitimate top four quarterback at the position. Uh, it's Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions. Again, we know by now, first eight games, he was fantastic. Last eight, he suffered the broken back. I believe it was actually a uh, similar injury to what we saw from uh, Tony Romo at the end of his career. But uh, can you indulge a little bit more on that? Because while I kind of have like some like narrative behind it, I want to hear it straight from the doctor's mouth, straight big facts. Let's hear it. <laughs> so so the thing about uh this fracture so what it is is and it was weird because he's had it two years in a row now it's uh you have the vertebrae right so you have 12 they're called thoracic vertebrae they're the middle of your back and what he had were fractures on sort of like the wing sort of on the outside of that bone and those are extremely painful because there's nothing first of all you can't do anything to heal those you can't increase healing time you literally just have to wait until they get better so you you can't really move you shouldn't 
bend forward too much, uh, extend backwards. And then another thing that they do is they tend to cause back spasms because your body is just trying to stabilize that area because your body feels like something like some, basically your body's like, what the, what the hell's going on here? And so your muscles spasm, they lock up, they try to protect you. And so it's just an extremely, extremely, extremely thing to do, um, uh, to deal with. And so the fact that he's 32, he's dealt with, you know, this two years in a row now, it's really, really, um, I don't want to say concerning cause it's not concerning, but it's not nothing if that makes sense and even more so than big ben like if like stafford has just as much potential i think he has just as much of a ceiling but i think that his his uh his floor is just as low as floor is nothing because if he has you know another uh uh, one of these fractures which at this point he's had two there's no reason to believe that he can't have three then that's really something that you need to be careful for you need to watch out for but again, his ceiling. So like he was, the dude was balling out when he was on the field yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when he was playing. And so it, that's really difficult to ignore. But again, it's it just, those are all of the, the range of outcomes with him are extremely high. And I like, that's why I like to view players in terms of like, what is their volatility, right? Compared to average and compared to average, Matthew Stafford's volatility is a lot, is a lot higher than, than a lot of other quarterbacks. For sure. So, I mean, like when talking about that, obviously, as you mentioned, the, the ceiling last year, 19 to five ratio, top four quarterback, the the floor, as you mentioned, being on par with a guy like Big Ben due to the uh, constant issues with the back over the past few years, as you said. But uh, where would you mostly feel comfortable if you're in a fantasy draft, regardless, super flex, one QB? Uh, it doesn't matter. Where would you feel comfortable in terms of like quarterback type off the board, given those injury concerns? With, with Stafford, right? Yeah. Yeah, correct. I think, you know, I would not, I mean, I'd feel okay taking him probably as like one of my late round options because I think last time I checked, he's definitely falling to like 14, 15 yeah, range. Yeah, between 12 yeah. and 15. Yeah, like so like that's that's probably fine. I'm probably okay with that. I would just, I would be more, and I don't always carry two quarterbacks, but I would be more likely to carry another quarterback if, if Stafford is the, dude, the first two that I took as my late option. You can take both of them. Yeah. Ben and right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> High risk, high reward, right? That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, thank you on those quarterbacks. We will actually indulge into the running backs. And uh, it's a very polarizing figure because obviously we've seen what he's able to do when he's healthy. Kind of missed the last few games of last year, which people have uh, generated narratives over the offseason. Obviously, the contract dispute is one, but not really what we're talking about here. It's going to be Dalvin Cook running back from the Minnesota Vikings. Kind of both his injury situation versus like how his value and like maybe Alex Madison's value would be impacted because of it. So what are your thoughts overall on the injuries uh, that Dalvin Cook has experienced, especially specifically his second year off of that torn ACL he had as a rookie? So the ACL doesn't bother me. That's not something that I'm really concerned about anymore. It's something you do keep track of, but at this point he's two years out and I'm not, it's not really something that I'm really looking at too hard. What I am looking at is that shoulder. He's dislocated his shoulder left or right for this is the fourth time since high school. And that's just a dude who is unfortunately surgery or no surgery. He has a propensity to dislocate his shoulder and that, 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 that happens, right? So, excuse me, we learn in school, you're either born loose or you're torn loose. And Dalvin Cook just seems to be a dude that was born loose. And it doesn't matter all the surgeries in the world to repair it. He's already re-dislocated that shoulder. And your first year back from that injury is when you have the highest chance of re-tearing. The highest, or I guess I should say the lowest chance, or the, the numbers that are best in Dalvin Cook's number, uh, and Dalvin Cook's favor, is a 42% chance to re-dislocate. His worst, absolute worst, like 
worst case scenario is a 55% chance. And those base, those are based off of two studies. I can send you guys um, their medical studies on NFL players. When you look at the 42%, those were players who, who dislocated in college didn't have surgery and then went on to the NFL. They all dislocated, re-dislocated within like 15 weeks. And the other, the other study that I'm talking about, the 55%, those were players who uh, dislocated in the NFL, didn't have surgery, came back that same season and then re-dislocated again. And they all re-dislocated within a pretty short time frame too. So again, this is all about volatility. And so when it comes to Dalvin Cook, it's not so much like, is he or is he not, uh, you know, gonna gonna injure himself or is he risky is he talented but none of those things are the questions the question is how volatile is he and compared to the other because he's a pretty top i mean i would say he's a top five running back just from a talent yeah. perspective we literally had this conversation before you came on right yeah. so he, he's he's legitimately like one of the like top three or four uh yeah. fantasy running backs but when he's on the field the problem is the numbers and the percentages just aren't in his favor to stay healthy and if he does redislocate uh, there's a really good chance that considering um, everything we know about him, that he's going to have surgery again. And that's a nine month layoff. Ergo, go get Alexander Madison. Like I drafted in like all of my drafts this year late, you can get him in like the 12th round. Just let him ride your bench. I think that this is going to be one of the years where he breaks out. Okay. Love so it. if you're on the clock, this is, this is a hypothetical. So based on, based on what you said, I would assume you're going to take Alvin Kamara over him and you're going to take Zeke Elliott over him. Are you going to pick Derrick Henry or Joe Mixon over Dalvin Cook if faced with the choice? <laughs> probably not Derrick Henry. Probably Joe Mixon. I'm probably taking Joe Mixon over Dalvin Cook. But then I'm probably looking towards Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams if, 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 I'm, if I'm looking at Derrick Henry versus, uh, versus Dalvin yeah. Cook. Okay, that, that's, so you that's are, you're pretty all hands off on Dalvin Cook. I'm kind of of the <sighs> yeah, same belief. I, I, I don't like to take big risks like that in the first round of my draft. Yeah, you can definitely lose your – and that's such a cliche thing. Like yeah. People say you can't win it in, the, in your first round, but you can lose it. And I, I definitely agree with that. I think you can definitely lose it. Now, you can take Dalvin Cook. But if you play in a league full of pricks like I do, then they'll take Alexander Madison <laughs> in, the in like the eight. sixth round yeah. <laughs> and they'll just throw him on their bench. Like that happened to me last year with, uh, who was it? Some dude, I think, I think some dude took Tony Pollard for me or some, <laughs> I don't even remember. It was one of my leagues, but he literally like took that draft pick and then he, and then he texts me and he just said like one word, he's like, eat that or something like that or eat it or something like that. I was yeah. like, man, you're the be the worst <laughs> uh, that's that's always the best i mean uh, i remember i had dalvin last year and i kind of like had to like fully work the phone and convince my friend to like trade me like alex madison for like another uh like bench piece just simply because as you mentioned like the value of having a guy like madison with his uh overall talent level potential upside if cook were to miss time now speaking about that if you and say you take dalvin cook i don't know 106 107 let's just say like the, the other two receivers are off the running backs are off hypothetical what is the earliest you would take Alex Madison knowing the concerns there, knowing the, uh, the overall like unlikeliness, as you mentioned, 42 to 55% that uh, he plays the full season? I think if I'm playing that game, I'm probably getting a starting line, filling a starting lineup and then within one or two picks taking Alex Madison. Makes yeah. sense. Okay. So Especially like if he's my first round pick. Round is when you're going to be looking at that then? Mm-hmm. I'd consider yeah. it. I'm not necessarily – and it all depends, right? It's context-specific. Every draft is different. If somebody like, fuck, I don't know, like Robert Woods is there in the ninth round yeah, or something yeah, stupid, yeah. right? I'm probably going to take Robert Woods. But yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. There, there's going to be, um, 
I think the, the contract thing is real. I know we're not really talking about that but right now, but I think Alex Madison's going to get more and more expensive the longer Dalvin oh. Cook's not in camp and stuff. So 100%. Um, I mean, if, yeah, you're, if you're in a dynasty league, like Alex Madison is going to be the guy because as Lucas will say multiple times, like it's just so unlikely given their cap situation that Cook is going to come back. So, I mean, Alex Madison, make sure you grab him because that's going to be some potential value there. But uh, yeah, segueing off of uh, Dalvin Cook, we're actually going to go back to another uh, recent top, uh, top 10, top five actually overall running back. Uh, we saw him in 2018 just absolutely shredding it for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that will be uh, James Conner. So we know the story about James Conner right now. In college, he had a fantastic career. He ended up uh, actually, mid- middle of his uh, college career, he ended up actually having cancer. Unfortunate for him. Uh, made a full recovery ever since he got drafted. Spent the one year behind Le'Veon. Le'Veon holds out and James Conner took over. Like he was a pure bell count in 2018. But talking about him, we're going to mention again the injuries at the end of the 2018 season and the injuries that kind of hindered him uh, throughout 2019. But we're kind of both on board. If he's able to stay healthy, I mean, he's got legitimate like top 12, top 10 type upside. But uh, what are your thoughts overall on the injuries officially affecting his uh, overall stock? Sorry about that. I think that uh, James Conner is such an interesting case study. He's an intriguing case study. He is a guy that specifically because of the cancer, specifically because of his situation and everything that he's gone through, you can't apply the data that exists on NFL running backs for him. It's such an interesting thing, man. He had a, He tore his MCL, right? That was his rookie year. And he needed surgery for it. Only 4%, less than 5% of NFL players who tear their, their MCL need surgery for it because that, that ligament heals on its own. But he needs surgery for it. That's, that's interesting. That's, that's intriguing. Um, another thing is he obviously came – so that's a connective tissue issue. Yeah. Then he came back the year that Le'Veon uh, sat out, and he played and he dominated. But then he had a high ankle sprain. You know, a high ankle sprain is another connective tissue injury right? Comes back 2019 hits. He has this, this SC joint, uh, SC joint separation. That's a connective tissue issue. So you back up, you look at at James Conner, this guy who had cancer treatment, and we know that cancer treatment is so nonspecific, right? Cancer treatment essentially in a nutshell, just blasts all of your cells because you can't really target cancer just based off of the way that it, that it works in the body. And so what we do, at, at, we just blast every cell. And so when all those cells get blasted, it could, any type of procedure, not even, not even just cancer treatment, any type of treatment can potentially change the way your DNA mutates and change the way that your body creates connective tissue, creates all these different products, man. The, the entire body is so inter, intertwined so intricately. And I'm not saying that's what happened with James Conner. But he's such an interesting case study because you look at a person who's had only connective tissue injuries. He's had, you know, he's had cancer. He came back from it. And you're looking at a dude who's only had connective tissue injuries. And, and it, you just, it just begs the question, huh, you know, did the cancer treatment cause something in his body to, to it's called epigenetics, you know, to sort of unveil the way that his body makes this connective tissue. And is, is his body not able to just hold up to NFL standards? to NFL contact. And that's just something that I worry about with James Conner. And considering that the Steelers drafted a running back and they have like two waiting in the wings, it just makes you not as confident in him being an RB1. I definitely would not take James Conner as my RB1. Awesome story. (laughs) Awesome. You know, the whole thing is like, I legitimately so awesome. Such a badass story that he beat cancer. It's it's fantastic. But from NFL and like fantasy perspective, it's just not, 
it's not he's not a person that I necessarily trust or want on my roster. Okay, so one thing I wanted to touch on there is I'll put this on the screen right now. This is what he dealt with last year. So he had a quadriceps contusion, AC joint sprain, quadriceps strain, ankle sprain, knee sprain. So you, what you're basically saying is that he is more susceptible to, to minor injuries and nagging injuries potentially then? It's, it, it seems that way, yeah. I don't want to say like absolutely it is and this is a cause and effect, but it just seems like he takes – the for the amount of contact that he takes he's injured more often with those types of of injuries than other other running backs it it just seems like that to me it's something yeah. interesting too because uh even like the ac joint sprain for example i don't know how it affects the majority of people but he missed five games off of it and i know for a fact that when dak got it, he actually did he came back the next week and was able to play now you could tell he was hurt maybe they rushed him back just in general like in terms of like a range like that would that kind of affect like the recovery times too, like, or is that just normal? It could absolutely. Okay. And and he could have just came back when he he wasn't ready for it too. Okay. So you can't really pinpoint it and say, oh yeah, he he did take a longer recovery because I don't know if you remember he he injured it and then came back in like two weeks and then injured it again and okay. then had to sit out another couple games and so he could have just you know came back too soon. But at the same time, like you were saying, Dak played the very next week. Dak plays a different position, obviously. Yeah. But it was one of those things that just did, again, makes you scratch your head and say, well, why couldn't he heal, you know, to the point where he needed to sit out again? Again, this is all one giant case study that we have to, like, pick apart and use clinical reasoning for because there's, there's very, very little data. I mean, there's zero data or evidence on any type of injuries for a dude who, you know, has cancer, or had cancer and played in the NFL. Yeah. And I think the way that the Steelers have built their backfield is very smart because James Conner and Benny Snell are kind of like the same type of running back and as are Anthony McFarlane and Jalen Samuels. So you kind of have a lot of insurance there if you're the Steelers from a real life football perspective. But I mean, yeah, like you said, you don't want them as your RB1, but we've on this channel, we've preached the RB heavy tactic at, at the beginning. And if you can get James Conner in the it's fourth like round three. and he's your RB3, Dude. you're looking at a guy who had a num- who ranked number three in the NFL in opportunity share in 2018. He had a snap share in the top six. He had 40 red zone touches, 71 targets, 21.2 fantasy points per game in 12 and a half games. So, yeah. I mean, the dude... If he's your RB3, absolutely. Exactly. The dude's pretty much a stud when he's on the field. And he is definitely risky. He's definitely yeah. risky. But you can I, mitigate that risk by taking Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake in the first two yeah. rounds so that he's not your RB1. For sure. I mean, again, touching upon him, like, I know me and Corey, I believe you have him at 17 as well. Uh, we both kind of have him in that top 20 area. Uh, where would you personally kind of like have him, like in terms of the risk reward type uh, balance there uh, in terms of like where you would feel comfortable? Where was, where would I, sorry, you could like what round, like, like what round is like, like, yeah. Like what um, round, what area, like, would you consider him like a top 14 to 20 type back, like top 20 to 26? Like, where would you kind of like most feel comfortable or most like, reason with yourself for taking him he's a he's one of those guys that I don't think I'd necessarily look to him as like what is what ceiling can he provide me I would look at where can I take him and it won't hurt me like that's how I'm viewing it sort of flipping it and I think that at the point where he's like like you guys were saying like an RB3 like if I take him as like my flex dude so what is that round like five six ish if he's still there um, unfortunately, I think people are taking him way. I think way he'll be gone that. in the the early, like yeah. late third, early fourth he, range. Is probably I, where it's gonna go. I honestly think like by the end of the offseason, for example, we've seen multiple guys like uh, 
Yeah, like the multiple guys will be be, be pushed up, and I think he's just going to be a guy like over the offseason kind of push into that mid-third, late-third type area, which would be too early. But, like, yeah, as you mentioned, like if you can get him in like the early fifth, late fourth even, like yeah. I wouldn't – I wouldn't care. I'm okay with him in the fourth round, in my opinion. If if I have two running backs and a receiver already, I think I think I'm okay with him as my fourth fourth pick. Especially if he's in like, let's just play hypothetical. Especially if he's in the late four and you're getting him as like, say you're at like the 104, 105 area, and he falls to you like, what would that be? The 408, 407? Like that's a smash because you're gonna have a top five type locked up running back. You could take the risk on a guy like that because you know you're getting points regardless. So uh, really like that. Now a guy that me and Bush have been like. We hate him. Like we, we absolutely, like we hate this guy. Uh, but a lot of people in the community seems to seem to love him. I mean, people preach RB, RB uh, heavy and like, he's like their second round pick. If you look at freaking Joseph Robert over there, but uh, we're talking about Todd Gurley. I mean, we know the story with Todd Gurley by now. He suffered the injuries in college. We've known that uh, obviously the ACLs uh, were t- torn, I believe two, three times uh, since he's been in college. But the main concern uh, we're going to talk about is the knee arthritis caused by those injuries. So what are your thoughts on that overall uh, underlying, uh, what's called, uh, injury, if you want to say. Yeah, no, it is. And it's a a difficult thing to decipher because with Gurley, so he actually tore tore his ACL in, in college, like you were saying. Yeah. And for him, unfortunately, that's all it took for him to go into this, um, this, this, fall into this cascade of arthritis, right? Symptomatic arthritis. Every, you know, a lot of people have arthritis and it's not symptomatic, but for him, it's symptomatic. And all arthritis is, is your body is stuck in this constant cycle of inflammation, of pain, of swelling, of, of your, your muscle, not work, your quad muscle, for example, not working as well. So that's what arthritis is because your body, it thinks that it needs to heal this, this, this place in your body, which is, so in, in Gurley's case, it's his knee. The, the, the body thinks it needs to heal the inside of the knee and it does because there's damage there. But the problem is that damage is done. It's permanent. There's nothing that the body at this point can do. And the reason that happens is because they go in the ACL is damaged in the first place. And then surgery comes in. A lot of people don't understand, even though surgery is, you know, a miracle in a lot of, in a lot of cases, uh, it's still a damage. It's still a trauma to the body. It's still damaging the body. You're taking a massive knife. You're, you're cutting open a, the, the body and you're, you're scraping around inside a joint. Like that's still a trauma to the body that the body has to get over. So unfortunately his body has, has succumbed to this constant healing process. And what that does is it doesn't even have to be painful, but a lot of times the, the, the muscle will, will shut down because of the, there's like, it's like a very minimal amount. It's like 50 cc's of, of fluid. And what happens is the quad muscle will stop working because the brain tells it to stop working because, you know, in evolution, essentially we learned as a human species, if something hurts or if something is wrong somewhere downstream, the brain is going to shut it down. That way you stop doing what you're doing and you check it out. You see what's going on, you rest and you let it get better. The problem with this condition is that it never gets better. In fact, with age, it gets worse. And so I don't understand why last year, we were at this place where we were saying, don't, talk, don't draft Todd Gurley as a top you know, 12 running back. And it seemed like the industry got it. And I was like, oh, awesome. Like, we, we finally get it. Like, there were some ding-dongs out there still taking Gurley at, like, 101. <laughs> oh, there was, there was some, a lot of ding-dongs. A lot of ding-dongs. Like, like people but were it, taking him in the first, second round. I'm like, what are you the, doing? The 25% argument, did you hear that last year? If you hmm. take off 25% of his fantasy production from his last two years, he still would have been the RB1. Right. Oh, yeah, that's that that one of my favorite is that arguments. Bobby? Oh yeah. You know, a lot. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people use that type of logic, but 
the problem is this doesn't get better with time guys and that's what i wish that i could like drive home this condition even if it didn't get worse he is in even if he stayed in the exact same place that he was last year his efficiency dropped by like 40 slots or something crazy according to player profiler um efficiency obviously it's sort of subjective but even relatively speaking in that specific um, that specific realm after you t you account for offensive line play, which his offensive line was worsened in 18, but his efficiency tanked. It, yeah. it was, it was awful. And that has to do with the knee. And so, like I was saying, if he's, even if he's still in the exact same place as he was last year, look what he did last year. Why are you still taking him as a top 10 pick? That he did score 12 sense. touchdowns. He would have been awful. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, the, this one, this one gets me fired up because yeah, I, I don't think people flash to people. The Rams offense, rushing offense, is much better than the Falcons rushing offense. Yeah, Dirk Carter right. was the coach of my favorite team for three years. He can't – you saw what he did with Ronald Jones his rookie year. Like, he doesn't know how to fucking run a rushing attack to save his life. So, That's true. Like, all the way out on Gurley every That's day true. of the week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about it. As Bush has mentioned multiple times, I mean, we saw last year the Rams, he had 59 red zone attempts. This year, Devontae Freeman vacating 25. So it's like, or 34. It was a 25 discrepancy. Yeah. So it's like, why do people think he has more touchdown upside this year? It doesn't make it sense. It was pretty much the Rams had the most, they, they ran like the ball, like the third most in the red zone. And the Falcons ran it by far the least in the red zone or something. Like, it was like a well, big Yeah, and the, the Falcons, like, even like a cup starting like a couple of years ago, even when Devontae Freeman was, was running wild, I mean, they still split that those carries, right? Yeah. I mean, they still split the backfield. So it's not like like he's going to have all this work to himself. And if his efficiency is just as bad as last year, you know, the the argument that some people might make about, well, even if you shave off, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like now his efficiency is worse than it was in 18 by like a lot. Yeah, and he so was like a top five running back in the NFL for like like probably two, like two years for sure, 17 and 18. He was mm -hmm. by far the, he was the best running back in the league in 2017. So, I mean, like, to go from even like average efficiency to what he went to would have been a huge jump. Not to mention he went to bad efficiency. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one that fires us up. We've <laughs> said it multiple times. I think he's the RB 16 on consensus right now. ADP He's going at like the early third round right now. Like what are people Yikes. doing? So, I mean, we've heard what you said. We're kind of in the same boat. We, I believe we both have moats out of our top twenties might be close to that 25 area, but what are your thoughts? Like, where would you like, if you ever had, like, gun in your head, you have to take him. Like, where would you ever feel comfortable even touching him? After I fill my flex, that's like... got to be like a sixth-round pick for me to pick yeah. him. Yeah. I, I can't pick him in the... It's not like he's going to be... Rounds. It's not like he's going to be bad, I don't think. It's just like, I don't think it's... I don't, a, I don't think he's going to be consistent. B, I don't think he's going to be efficient. C, I don't think he's going to have all of, all of the volume that people think he's going to have. He's so basically like, what he's basically David Montgomery, except David Montgomery. There's a chance he's actually true, good. Exactly. True. true. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a really good way to put it. Oh, the yeah. funny, the funny thing that fires me up again, we've mentioned the, the red zone attempts, the overall uh, volume he's going to get, but like people think he's going to return to that like prime Rams, like passing game usage. <sighs> and I'm just like, what? Why? Up, like <laughs> nine balls on 50 <laughs> targets last year. Hey man, I hope he does. Right. I mean, I, I, I for, for his health I don't, sake, because I'm not going to own him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe he could like go off in like the preseason. People get hyped. He gets taken even earlier. Let's just hope. If he yeah. even touch that, which I'm sure 
Actually, there's no preseason. If people want to keep talking, talk about there's no preseason. That's fine with me. There's no preseason. I forgot COVID. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, talk about the next guy. Uh, guy that we're actually like a little bit higher on simply because of like how low he's regarded in the fantasy community. Like people think he's just a bum that's never going to. He's, he's dirt for fantasy. Apparently. Dirt. He's garbage. Never going to go back to like that first round upside we saw even in his first rookie season. And uh, we're going to be talking about Sony Michelle. So. We know by now, obviously, the knee sprain last year was the arthroscopic knee surgery. And then uh, this year, he had the foot surgery in the offseason. So uh, if we couldn't find exact reasons on what was the exact reasoning behind the foot surgery, like we didn't know the actual injury. But if you have, like, anything you want to talk about here, especially with Michelle, because, I mean, I don't think his value can get any lower than it currently is. Like, people hate him. I think, honestly, man, I don't know how much value Sony Michelle actually – what did he finish last year? Do you guys know? Uh, I, I probably basis. like RB22 or something boring. I, I, I think it was RB26. I, I actually, uh, <laughs> in a, re, a recent video, I literally said the only thing separating him from David Montgomery were the injury concerns. And that was back before he even had the foot surgery. So I compared them. And there were numbers in terms of like passing game usage, uh, running efficiency. Like they were the exact same player. I put like a player A, player B. And like you could not tell the difference. Like same yards per carry, same touchdown output. Like it was the exact same. But, uh, and that, anyway. Yeah, and that's sort of where I st- – I mean, that's where I stand with him. And he has probably the same issues that Todd Gurley has. You just don't hear about it because he's had like three knee surgeries in the last two years, and he had an ACL tear in high school. So he's probably dealing with the same stuff that Gurley is. And so, like, not to repeat everything I just said about him, yeah. <laughs> but he's got this, like, arthritic knee probably. I can't say for sure. but He's probably got at least some sort of symptoms in that regard. And now he's got the foot surgery, and it's like, well – I mean, yeah, and on, in one, on one side, you can look at it and say, well, maybe he, maybe he had this first foot surgery, and that's what's been holding him back. Maybe that, you know, now he's going to be a lot better. He's going to have better bursts, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, he's 25 years old at this point. Like, we've probably seen what we're going to see at a Sony Michelle. Even if he stays exactly where he is, again, with, like, the girly argument, even if he stays in, in the same health and the same offense that he is uh, as, he, as he was last year, like, what can you really expect from a guy? I think he averaged like 3.5 yards per carry. I know yards Cam per carry might hurt there. him too because Cam might take away his only thing, which is touchdown, touchdown upside. upside. Right, right. So it's like one of those things that you look at him and you just – you're like, nah. It's like you were saying. It's just a boring like, yeah, I guess I'll throw him on the end of my bench because I might need yeah. a fill-in there's for a, a bye week. Or I something. think there's equal chance that by week six, Damian Harris is getting more carries yeah, than there is – Sony Michelle is the top 15 running back. I think equal chance there's like, because if, if Sony Michelle somehow comes out and is like a ninth round pick in fantasy drafts and is like a top 15 running back because he scores 11 touchdowns and gets 250 plus carries. Yeah. But I mean, you're probably also not going to like owning him if he's your like RB two or something, but obviously where he's going, I'm, I'm kind of willing to take the risk just because he's yeah. like, it's so late. It's like, super a late pick. like he's not like a sixth, fifth round pick. Like he probably should be if he was, if we were just looking at the situation objectively without his injury concerns and all that stuff. And it's crazy to me because I was so much like, it's crazy now, like just one surgery like impacts my thoughts. But man, before the foot surgery, I know me and Bush, we, oh, I had, loved him like, coming we out had him as like our RB25, RB26. We were like, okay, you know what? He's a good like upside candidate uh, later on because he's going to produce so much more than what everybody's like ranking map. But yeah, once that foot surgery kind of happened, the addition to Cam, like, I became much lower on him. He dropped to like 33 or so in my rankings. It's just like, it's so many question marks to the point where like, if he's there in like the ninth, 10th round area, like I'll probably just get him, especially if I go super uh, risky at the beginning of the draft. But like, 
it's not something you're excited about. It's not like you're taking like, oh, you know, Nicole Hardman in that area. Like that's definitely someone I want to target because he's flashy. He's efficient. He's like a really talented football player. Like you're kind of just taking Michelle. You're like, you know what? If I need a flex week, RB2. Like Frank Gore, but 10 years younger. Yeah, like, uh, but what are, what are your thoughts 30 on years in terms of like what you kind of expect versus like where you'd feel comfortable taking him overall? Um, I think that what I expect and where I would take him are probably lined up pretty well. I, I don't think I'd take him anything before like a bench, a bench ad. I'd probably draft all my starters. And then, and then honestly, he's one of those dudes that like, and this is, and Scott Barrett over at fantasy points, he recently did an article on, uh, uh, basically drafting for upside. And if I was faced after I drafted all my starters with Alexander Madison versus Sony Michelle, and that those were my options. I'd take Madison 10, 10 times out of 10 times. Is that, yeah, I don't know if that you might get five games out of Madison that are going to be, be like Michelle's best five games. And right. you'll actually 100%. know when to start Madison in those games, as opposed yep. to Sony Michelle. Exactly. For sure. 100%. For sure. Uh, that definitely makes sense. Again, it kind of uh, touched up upon it. Like it's just so many question marks, so much boringness. It's like, if you've got any exciting uh, type of player on the board, just go with them because like realistically here, like, Oh, for example, a guy like Zach Moss, for example, I think is probably going in around the similar range. If he's on the board, like I would take him because I know that like he's still going to get a workload and he's actually got t- some type of upside. I mean, That's I love Sing- too. I love oh. Devin Singletary, but but realistically, like who's going to get the red zone uh, type workload? I mean, we saw last year freaking Frank Gore's carcass got like 26 red zone opportunities. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was like hobbling around, just like doing his thing that he's been doing like the past. 25 years it seems but uh literally yeah no uh, a guy that we're gonna talk about now again a guy who, this one i'm very interested in yes because i mean we kind of tank them because of the uncertainty but especially with the Hyde edition but when we saw chris carson like healthy last year he was a top 10 running back in fantasy especially in like standard half ppr formats but uh the big thing is the hit fracture and then obviously they added i mean carlos high is not too inspiring but like it just shows that they really felt like they need to add up in terms of depth but the hip fracture really, really scares me. I ended up having him. I'm like, my RB's 26 or 27 right now because of it. But uh, what are your thoughts on Chris Carson due to that, uh, specifically the hip fracture? Uh, so I think that, first of all, he is one of those dudes that's like, if he gets the, if he gets the volume, he's good. Yeah. The second yeah. thing is you don't know, and we don't know how that hip fracture is going to behave and how that hip and that injury is going to behave in 2020 simply because there's no data on it again it's one of those injuries that doesn't have a ton of data on it you go based off clinical sort of knowledge and we just don't we don't really know enough about the the fracture uh, what was the nature of it how bad was it why didn't he have surgery was it recommend was surgery recommended but he you know didn't didn't go through with it you did they say don't have surgery we just we just there are too many unknowns to really be certain and say oh yeah he's going to stay healthy or oh yeah he's going to refracture it you also look at another team who drafted another running back who has Rashad Penny, who should be back probably by like week six at least at the latest. And it just turns into this mess. I, it's a headache. They're going to run the ball a lot. But I think that in terms of knowing who's going to get the passing work, who's going to get the goal line work, who's going to be in, in between the 20s, that's going to be something that's just something that I don't want to have to deal with outside of like another maybe like a flex play. And I think that's where I'd take I'll Chris wait till next year when Derrick Henry's their starting running back. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Darrington Evans stocks going up, but yep. <laughs> talking about that, but yeah, with, with Carson, I mean like before, obviously like late earlier in the off season, before they drafted a running back, before they uh, got Carlos Hyde, like I was like, you know what? I mean, like if he can stay healthy, they haven't really added much to the position, you know, maybe he's going to be like a top 15 type running back with that upside. But man, like 
I see him now. People still have him ranked and like as like their RB 16, 17. It's just it's too high because like we don't, as you mentioned, we don't know what's going to go on in that backfield. As you mentioned, it's so uh, uncertain what's going on with the hip. As you mentioned, not enough data to really like pinpoint what exactly uh, is the severity of it. So I mean, where would you like? As you mentioned, flex play like. What kind of RB range? Like 25, 30? RB 19 off the board right now. Just yeah. Like that. He's at RB 19. Yeah, yeah. And he's an early third round pick. That's gross. Ooh. I know. That's a little early for me. Maybe. Maybe that's probably when I'd start to consider it. Um, maybe not in the third round. He's no, like, he's like I wouldn't take Early territory for me. Like, yeah, I that's really early. Like, at least with Gurley, I know he has the workload if he's on the like, field. I guess. Didn't you Carson say Gurley's going in the fourth? That? He's Pardon? Starting, no, Gurley's going 302, I believe, right now. Yeah, like, yeah. Chris oh, Carson yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely going... wouldn't take Carson there. Yeah, I wouldn't take Carson there. Chris, yeah, yeah Gurley's off the board at the 27th pick, and uh, Carson's the 32nd pick. Yeah. So I would, I mean, I'd wait at least another two rounds to take Carson. Like, if you, again, like, as we said with Gurley, like, if he was, like, a fifth, sixth type round pick, like, that's the value that they should be. But, again, Man, this offseason especially, like, everybody's preaching, oh, load up on running backs, loading up running backs, loading up on running backs. And, like, all these running backs ADP seem to be pushed up, like, oh, two yeah. rounds. It's insane. Like, for example, uh, yeah, we mentioned those guys. Like, for, I don't know how Gurley's going above Melvin Gordon right now, but that's not really why we're yeah. here right now. But uh, anyway, another uh, really talented – like, I, I love this guy coming out of college. I mean, LSU, I we, know, we know how good he was at LSU, but, like, that's the narrative we have to have around him because, realistically, he's played in five out of a possible 32 games. Never this seen is, more than 13 touches either. Missed his whole rookie season, but, man, like, again, when he, when he gets a decent workload, we've seen him be super efficient, which is kind of – the whole uh, hope on him now. It's going to be Darius Geis. I mean, uh, that Redskins running back situation, a mess, but man, there's something in me that still believes he can get there. Bob said, I can't right anchor him there, but what are your thoughts on Geis? Because he's like the riskiest, but like such reward if he's actually able to turn Is around he and stay healthy. Dude, I think if he's healthy, he's a top 15 running back. Like, I really so, do. I don't think he's a top 15 running back simply oh. because I don't think that they're even going to give him the volume uh to let him get there and that's because i think that they're gonna take it as slow as they can with him at this point he's had two intra-articular so inside the joint surgeries and another mcl sprain that was pretty severe i don't think that he it's not so much that he can't be as athletic as he was coming out of college but it's it's those surgeries didn't help him if that makes sense you also have to look at it from the perspective of like he's got to show us you know like he's got to show us that he can put up with uh he can he can put hold up in that volume and it's not so much that those injuries weren't necessarily something that had to do with volume but he was only at lsu for two years and i think the first i don't even know how much he played behind fournette the first year too yeah yeah exactly so he didn't even have that much volume so the number one predictor for injury in uh in the nfl's injury in college and so the opposite's also true the number one predictor to stay healthy in the nfl is being healthy in college but he'd really only had one year in college we can we can judge him by and that's a pretty small sample so if anything when he tore the acl his first year in the nfl and then the second year he tore his meniscus and then he had the mcl Who's to say that would not have happened to him in college? And so what I'm looking, when I look at Darius guys, it's not even so much as it is, I guess it has to do with there's data that shows the a year after a meniscectomy, which is what you had that players see fewer snaps and they're on the field for not as much. You also have that the, the Washington team obviously picked up another running back and they, 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 who the Peyton Barber, they still have, you know, 
80-year-old Adrian Peterson who's still on the roster. So they have Bryce Love. This year, probably. They're obviously – they're obviously hedging their bets on him. And so when I look at Darius guys, he's a dude that I'm looking at and I'm saying like, prove it to me first before I really trust you other outside of like a flex play. Yeah. Like that's the range. Obviously like I would consider him as well. Probably like I wouldn't pick him until the double digit rounds, dude, because in my opinion, like what do we want a part of this? Like this, this situation isn't clear enough to me. Like you said, they have Antonio Gibson, they have Peyton Barber. They still have like JD McKissick McKissick. and Adrian Peterson. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I, uh, Chris Thompson, didn't they sign Chris, Chris Thompson? Or no, Chris Thompson's on the Jags now. But yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Followed, followed the whole situation is just not good. The offense is going to suck. It's going to be a, top, a bottom 10 offense in the NFL, unless Dwayne Haskins pulls something out of his ass and is like an elite quarterback all of a sudden. But the, the team isn't going to be good. And he's not like a bell cow to the point that you're like, okay, this guy's going to just get 20 carries a game and that's how he's going to give me value. To, to me, his upside is literally like RB15, which is like pretty similar to Sony Michelle's upside in my opinion. So I would, I, I'm, just not inter- I'm just not that interested in Geis. I know he's, he, what, like he was very talented and he probably still is, but I, he's still like – I mean, I don't, I'll check where he's going off the board right now, but I think he's still just too much of a risk at where he's going. He's not like going late enough for me to the point that I'm willing to uh, take the risk on him. I, I definitely get that. Uh, my thing with him is like, I don't, I, you don't want him to be like one of your first three running backs. Like you don't want him to be your RB1, RB2, RB3 in my opinion. But if, if you can get him as your RB4, hear me out. I mean, like it, I, I'm going to take that every time because simply put. I'll tell you what receivers you can get around and that's my concern. That's fair. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I still kind of have that hope. Again, you mentioned Sony Michelle. I think he's got a much higher ceiling than Sony simply because I do see him as like in terms of talent, in terms of even uh, – potential to grow into that volume again like he was coming off pretty significant injuries last year the year before that like even when he did play like why would they feel pressured with that dumpster fire of a season to give him that workload so I mean obviously again he's not a guy I want as my RB3 RB2 RB1 or if, if I can get him like he's running back 34 right now one pick behind or one running back ahead of him is James White the one behind him is Jordan Howard give me both those guys every day of the week and uh, the receivers behind him, man, like uh, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, uh, Marvin Jones, uh, like even even other running backs too, Tevin Definitely Coleman, Marvin Matt Breida. Like these guys, give me give them all of them over Darius guys in my opinion. Like, if I can get him in that like eighth, ninth round area, I wouldn't care. Like I'd be like, okay, I'm all for it. But yeah, as you mentioned, he's probably going in like late sixth, early seventh where like I'm off there. But uh, yeah, what are your six thoughts five. on him? Uh, he's a 6'5". Holy that's yeah that's too early but what are your thoughts on uh, him overall edwin in terms of like what where like what round area would you feel comfortable with him uh like what type of running back like, what are your thoughts on that i think you guys you guys nail it i think i'd wait until i have all my all my starters filled and then i'd look around uh i would say probably the seventh or eighth round like you were saying and if i was looking around and my options were brandon cooks or will fuller that's where probably i would take darius geis if I was looking at Darius Geis versus Marvin Jones, I'd probably take Marvin Jones. Definitely makes sense. Again, talking about those uh, two receivers, uh, those will be on for next episode. So uh, if y'all are watching this, stay tuned because that's going to be a banger of a video. Again, we're going to have them on for two straight Thursdays. So definitely uh, intriguing. But the final uh, guy that we're going to bring up, I kind of just added him late last second because I, I just wanted to like hear your thoughts on him. He's a guy I've roasted all off season simply because people think he's still the 2016 most valuable running back in all of fantasy. And we're going to be talking about David Johnson because uh, pe- people are touting him as like a top 20 running back. I want to hear your thoughts, but like, I just don't see it. 
I just don't. No, no. I don't see, I don't see it either. He's 28 years old. Uh, he's, he's, he was in a backfield that was very winnable. It's not like Kenyon Drake is some world beater. I mean, he's good. He's talented, but it's not like he's fantastic. David Johnson couldn't even beat out Chase Edmonds towards the end of the year. And that's not to say that, you know, it's not like coach, like we see Sundays, right? That's what we see. We don't see practice. We don't see the training room. We don't see anything that goes on in the, in, in the position rooms. It's not like David Johnson didn't get a given opportunity veteran. Like we said it earlier, veterans get the benefit of the doubt starters, especially like perennial starters who've been around, they get the benefit of the doubt. Especially the contract David Johnson signed before last season too. Exactly. The contract, like they get the organization. You don't think that the, the Cardinals, you know, front office was saying, Hey, let's come on, let's get this guy another shot. Like you, like, if you don't think, you don't think that was happening, you don't, you're, you're not really a business savvy person. Of course he probably had the opportunity and he just didn't, he couldn't take advantage of it. He's 28 years old. The, the running backs, running backs who, who are 28 years old, that's, that's the maximum amount of age, the maximum age that running backs will see any type of, uh, any type of significant volume, 150 carries. That's in like in a sample of, of 10 years of like 300 running backs. I mean, it's, it's, it's just not there. It's not in the cards for him. It doesn't seem like he's, he's going he's gonna to be as effective as people are, are thinking. I, I'm, not, I'm not even drafting him. And that's, I hope that answers the question. I don't even care Thank if you. he's there and I have to draft. I don't know. Who, who Darrington Evans, you mentioned earlier. I'd probably take Darrington <laughs> Evans. Like, I, don't, I have no interest in David Johnson. And, and, and I hope that he proves me wrong. I know I'm sounding like a jerk. I hope no, he proves me wrong. I hope he can come back. But from a physical athleticism perspective, I just don't see it anymore. I still remember a play last year where legit, like, it looked like he was, like, jogging behind the line. I don't know what he was doing. He's- Who was somebody tweeted that out and was like, uh, David Johnson looks like your Uncle Frank at the Thanksgiving uh, football game after dinner or something like that. It was, it was really funny. I wish I could think of who that was. It literally looked like he was, like, taking his walk or dog out to a walk at the park. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, there's, like, no type of athleticism at all. I'm like, I – You went from a world beater to, like, fully washed within the span of, like, one wrist injury riddled season. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was crazy. Weirdest thing ever. But, like – That's still so wild That is there. Like, 20 – I said it after 2018 when he looked like he couldn't run the ball to save his life. People were like, well, he's, like, he's a first-round pick because he's going to – get all this volume it's like yeah but no like i'm not yeah. like that's what caused you to draft levy on bell in the first round last year for sure i mean I, i've said it so many times on this channel his efficiencies last year were they're not 2016 like overall fantasy mvp level i mean he was 55th two yards per carry 48th yards per uh, yards created 63rd in yards created per touch 54th in evaded tackles and 36th in breakaway run rate like wh- that's how do you get like top 20 value According to so many people, oh, he's going to get a workload. He's going to get a ton of targets. 15.3% target market share uh, for the Texans last year to their running back position. And they still have the target leader in Dave Johnson still there. So, I mean, I don't see it. I mean, <laughs> he gets mad about David Johnson every time. <laughs> Carlos Hyde right. was legit a more efficient runner last year. But anyways, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, don't tell that push. to Bill O'Brien. Yeah, no, apparently, I, I honestly, like, I'm surprised Steve Kime, like, didn't get another DUI after he pulled off that trade because, like, that was the steal of the century. Like, the fact that he oh. got not only DeAndre Hopkins for that trade, but he got rid of that freaking contract that David Johnson signed <laughs> at the same time. You know, wow. he said, you know, he sent Bill O'Brien, like, a 2016 highlight tape with the package. Like, hey, man, this is a legit running back you're getting back. Bill yeah. O'Brien punts on the opponent's 30-yard line on Madden. <laughs> <laughs> for sure all right so um 
Uh, make sure you guys are checking out everything that we're doing. Uh, make sure you guys like this video, comment, subscribe. Uh, I think there's a lot of value packed into this. Edwin brings oh, yeah. a lot to the table that we do not, aside from uh, mutual hate for David Johnson and Todd Gurley. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the draft guide is live. So if you guys want to check that out, you can go ahead and do that in the description below. And we'll link all of Edwin's um, uh, Twitter account and uh, his uh, fantasy Website. points and all that stuff. Um, you got anything else you want to say before we get out of here? That's it. Check out your cool. guys' draft guide. Check out fantasypoints.com. Appreciate cool. that. Appreciate that. We'll, uh, we'll head out. Take it easy, y'all.